Hey, before the show begins, I want to let you know that at the very end of our episode, I'm going to be playing an excerpt from a brand new Panoply pilot show. It's called Family Ghosts, and it was made by my friend and colleague, Sam Dingman. You're going to hear him in the ads today, too. And this is a show that takes a really incredible look at family history. So stay tuned to the end for that. It's amazing. And just a quick warning, in this episode, we're going to be talking a bit about sexual assault. It's nothing too detailed. I just want you to know that it's in there. And now here's the show. The following podcast contains explicit language. Laura Mayer, Director of Production at Panoply. Hello, Andrea. Can you tell my listeners what Like Like was? <laughs> like Like was a sort of a project that you, me, and our friend Laura Griffin decided to do probably four years ago. Yeah, I think it was 2013. It was meant to be a podcast that captured the interesting awkwardness of first dates. But ultimately, what I remember most about it was that we set up essentially a matchmaking database. And I was able to just find out all this personal stuff about people I vaguely worked with who were interested in in dating. And then we had that wonderful Google Sheet. Yeah, it was a Google Doc. And it was basically every single person we could find we put in there. We would creep on their photos, stick in a picture of them and ask them some questions about their dating lives. Yeah. And they would answer. Like the thing that got me so much about that process was people were like just really, really, really open. And I think that that was probably the beginnings of like online dating fatigue for people in our sort of demographic is what I was thinking. Like people were sort of wanting to meet people in the old fashioned way. And then a bunch of creeps with microphones were like, hey. That summer, we ended up recording two blind dates. And with that came a very important lesson. The blind dates are pretty boring to listen to. I remember that one of the couples talked for a long time about how water tastes better if you put cucumber in it. And another couple asked each other what their travel style was. It was boring. Once these couples realized that they weren't a match, the only thing left to do was make small talk. The other day, I was looking back at the Google Doc, and it's really become a time capsule of what everyone who's in its dating life looked like four years ago. So many of the people in that document are now married or engaged. And even my partners on the project, both of their 2013 boyfriends are now husbands. Which of course made me wonder why I'm the one who's back to square one. And I wondered if I just pulled out a random dater from that dating pool and asked them how their last four years had gone, would they be asking the same questions as me? I couldn't stop thinking about one of them, Robin. So I'm going to tell you a name from that Google Doc, and I'm curious if it's going to shake any memories for you. Okay. Robin Europe. Robin Europe? Mm-hmm. Oh, right, her. She's a bodybuilder. And I remember multiple times trying to set her up with guys, right. and they would say, oh, I can't. She kicked my butt. Yes, right. I remember that. Right. I was excited for the potential date with her. She was, like, one of the people in the sheet, now that I'm remembering it, who, like, had a lot of stuff going on in their lives, you know? She was facing such a unique dating challenge in her life. She's a professional bodybuilder. She's a woman of color. She is bi. She 
went to Oberlin and as an artist. And there were just all these complicated things about her that made her hard for us to set her up with people. Right. Uh, because she was like a yeah. unique person of her own creation. So guess what I did? Uh-huh. I pulled her into the studio for an interview. Does she know we still have all this biographical information about her? So I need to tell you something, which is that I used to have a Google Doc. And in it, I had a photo of you and some information about you. And I used to look at that photo <laughs> kind of often and wonder about your dating life. <laughs> so please don't call the police. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, and this is because I used to have a dream of starting a podcast where we'd set people up on blind dates. Oh, I think I heard about that a while ago. Do you want to look at your old profile? Uh, sure. I really just want to see this photo. <sighs> and then it was questions about your dating life. And one of them was... Describe the person you want to meet. And this is in June 2013, so four years ago, basically. Uh, Do you want to read it? Yes, I'll read it because it looks 100% accurate. Someone fairly liberal, leftist, progressive in their thinking, ideally an atheist or agnostic. Someone who has dated or is open to dating black women because I'm sick of being rejected by people who just aren't into black girls. Hopefully someone active that cares about their health and body. Uh, that is 100% still it. <laughs> that is where we are at. You know what's really funny? I said no white people with dreads then, and I still don't want to date white people with dreads, but I have dated a white person with dreads recently. And it went awesome and you're married now? Uh, uh, it went hippie. I don't know. It went weird. <laughs> um, I don't know. He was like, he was a hippie. So I couldn't oh, do that. No. So like me, Robin is still single. She's 33 years old, a personal trainer, and she's worked in the fitness industry for over a decade. And for this episode, I'm thinking of her a little as our dater of the week. You know, we're going to hear about her interests, her romantic history, her plans for the future. I don't think I should be anyone's dater of the week. I'm real bad at it. Definitely not true. Just look at our list of deal breakers. You have to have some direction in life. I don't date religious people. That It's a no. If you lie to me, it is over that instant. And I don't care if the lie is a big or a small lie. It is over. If you play in a fucking band and you like your band, then I want to know that you practice your instrument. Like, it can't be any nonsense where you just sit and complain about life and don't do anything. I don't drink, but if the other person drinks, it's fine. As long as they do it, you know, responsibly. If you are hammered all the time, like blackout drunk, like, no, that's a no. Don't want to date anyone who has children or wants children either. No. How do you find that out? Well, to be honest with you, I usually just casually make a joke about never wanting children or saying that they're disgusting. And if, you know, the guy has any kind of objection, I'm like, oh, I guess you're like really into kids then, huh? Like, you know, it's just it's pretty easy to find out, actually. It's really easy. Like if we go to a movie and there's a child in the theater, I might remark that children are fucking disgusting and I never want any to pass out of my birth canal. And, you know, dudes are just like, oh, okay. Great. Noted. <laughs> yeah, so. Can't say you didn't tell me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that is a superpower. I feel like some people just bottle it up and then they get in a very long relationship with me and then they tell me, you know, like two years in yeah. after we live together. Oh, man. That's a terrible time for that to come up. <laughs> yeah. No, please bring it up at the movie. Yeah. Like, let's get this out of the way. Agreed. Don't Don't wait until my dog falls in love with you. And I have all my dreams, you know, tied up in oh, you. Oh, man. <laughs> that sucks. One of the things that made Robin hard to set up four years ago was that at the time she was going up on stage as a professional bodybuilder. 
I definitely had one guy at the end of a date that I thought went really well be like, so do you have any, like, friends who are less manly? And I was like, ah, no. I was like, I'm like 130 pounds of nothing right now. Like, what is wrong with you? You have to be on Are You Fetishizing Me watch in so many ways. You have to watch out for that because you're black, because you're bi, and because of your body type. All. Yes. How do you scan for that? You know, I think early on I was, like, willing to give people a chance. But (laughs) uh, now, as I'm approaching my actual solid mid-30s, it's a one-shot deal. It's like if I get any kind of inkling that you are a crazy person, you're out. I don't have any time or patience for it anymore. And for listeners who haven't seen those photos... Uh, it's Googleable. <laughs> yeah, it's Googleable. But, like, how would you describe it? It's weird because in photos I look huge, and I'm actually smaller than I am now when I compete. Like, I think I'm like, oh, man, I'm like 20 pounds lighter when I compete than now because, like, it's just, like, cutting off all of your body fat, basically. Like, you're incinerating it. So, I don't know. I look... Jacked. I look like if, you know. Okay, I'll, I'll try to describe yeah, it. Yeah, you go for it because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can see every muscle and they're very, they're muscles that you didn't even realize existed and they're all incredibly defined and your butt is like two stones. <laughs> they're like perfectly <laughs> like tight and smooth and it's like oil and very fitted bikini. Yeah, it's a it's, little weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's not weird. It's just someone could look at that photo and say, oh, she would kick my ass. Like someone could look People at that say photo. That, and, and that's just not the case. And just run to the hills. <laughs> and they don't see the also their softness to you, too. You know, with bodybuilders, like, well, you know, I'm a bodybuilder. This is a full time job. This is my life. And I'm like, yo, I, I've done it and I've been there. But that doesn't define anything about me because I was doing shit before it and I'm still doing it. So, yeah, we're all more than the the hobby we spend our time doing. Yeah. It's like, well, my therapist one time was like, we are human beings, not human doings. And if you keep in mind that you are not what you do, you'll do better in life. And she was right. Like, that was a big thing for me. Like, I dealt with a lot of, I mean, I dealt with a lot of weird shit. But one of the primary things that held me back for a number of years was that I was always concerned with like achievements and making sure that I was always busy. And I always needed to be at the top of everybody's game, not just mine, but I needed to be better than everybody else. And she was just like, girl, chill. This is your journey, not anybody else's. If you sit on your ass and don't do anything for a week, you're still the same person, even though you feel terrible about you. So we need to fix that. Sometimes when I'm swiping on Tinder, I can get intimidated by all the muscles. You know, the triathlon trainers with those amazing legs and the tough mutter guys just crawling through dirt in their tank tops. So that's what I think about now. I try to make sure that there's more to them than just fitness. And if I can find that thing, I'll probably swipe right because muscles. When I was in college, I dated a guy who was on the football team, and I remember he got up at 6 a.m., and I was like, it was like on a Sunday or something, and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to the gym. And I was like, okay, I'm going to still be in bed when you're done. He's like, oh, okay, Uh, what time are you going to the gym? And I was like, never, dude, ever. I don't even understand this. I mean, you look great, but never. And that all changed when she got a job working in the corporate offices for David Barton. He used to own a gym chain called David Barton Gyms. You know, I was doing my, like, art nerd thing. I was, like, showing up at work in, you know, your usual black and white horizontally striped shirts, as one did in 2005, with a giant pompadour and not giving a shit. And David was like, Robin, uh, I need you to use the gym. 
And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, I set up a training session for you. And I think that you need to understand what we do here. And I was like, David, I don't want to do this. And he was like, what is your objection to this? And I was like, David, this is not me. And he was like, well, I don't care if it's you or not. First of all, I scheduled the session during your workday. So you are actually being paid to do this. And second, if you don't understand what we stand for here, I don't know if this is the job for you. And I didn't think it was the job for me in the first place anyway. But I went to the damn session. And it was painful and I hated it. But at the end of it, I felt so much of the anxiety that I had been trying to get out by painting or by, you know, (laughs) punching people in the face. I felt like so much anxiety come out of me. Like at the end of it, I was just like, this is the most calm I've been in a decade. And so I did another session and I still hated it. Like I remember being forced to do push-ups, and he like tried to trick me. He was like, if I was paying you a hundred bucks for these push-ups, you'd do them. And I was like, damn it, Edwin. I don't know if it was instant love, but it was something I knew I needed in my life. And so I kept it up. That was a love story. (laughs) It kind of was a love story. So Robin's story about fitness and bodybuilding, that makes her interesting and complicated enough. We could just go home right there. But then you hear her talk about music. I never listened to anything that I guess people expect little black girls from the hood to listen to. There was never, like, me sitting in the house listening to Sade. Like, that wasn't a thing. I had an aunt who's still a really close friend of mine, and I love her, and I think she's a wonderful human. And she introduced me to music because she was, like, a little bit older than I was, and she was constantly tasked with babysitting me. And so I remember she gave me, like, a B-52s cassette tape. And then she gave me a cassette single of Aerosmith and Run DMC doing Walk This Way. When you lose your angst, (laughs) but there's still some other stuff going on, punk doesn't work for you anymore. And that was really what it was. It was like, I'm not that angsty, but there's some other turmoil. And I, I don't know, something about metal was just like, I just gravitated to it more than I ever did to punk. I haven't looked back, really. (laughs) I listen to Conan a lot. I think that they're amazing. I'm actually going to see them in May at Maryland Death Fest. I'm stoked. I cannot get enough Bong Ripper. It's like super mellow stuff that I love. Sleep is an amazing band that I think anyone who listens to stoner metal should love, but also Sleep is like the dudes from High on Fire, so if you like High on Fire, it's a miracle that I don't smoke weed because I would just be so comatose listening to that stuff, but I love it. I really love this band Born and the Club of Gore. They're not stoner metal or black metal at all. They're like dark jazz. I don't even like jazz, but they're like some heavy, slow, dark shit that I love. So now it's time for me to ask Robin, what's been going on in your romantic life? 
for the past four years. We'll hear her answer after a break. So four years since you filled out this dating survey. Yes. I was flipping through all the people in here. And I was like, partnered, partnered, saw them get married on Facebook. She's Aww. planning a wedding on Instagram right now. Like, I That's followed these cute. people <laughs> and, like, every it's working out for all of them but us. Would you still have filled out a survey for a desperate dating podcaster hmm. today? Good Has question. your optimism changed? You know, it's weird because I think over the last four years, I've heard that I have poor judgment more than I ever have <laughs> before in my life. Uh, just over the four years, like, every time I date somebody... Some friend of mine is like, I knew that wasn't going to work out. You have really crappy judgment. You pick the worst people. And honestly, over the course of the last four years, I have dated the absolute worst people. Even white guy with dreads. Uh, he might have actually been a decent human, but like everybody else is like really not decent humans. Like I dated one guy who, oh man, uh, why am I going to tell this to everyone? I'm going to oh, tell I it. I can't wait. No, I'm going to tell it. <laughs> These I, are my favorite kind of stories. I don't hold anything in. I'm sorry. So I dated this one guy who was like, you know, he was cool. I liked him. We waited a long time to, like, seal the deal at all. Like, it was, like, mm, a few months. What? Um, yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Did that make it so good, though? It was fine. Wait till I get there. <laughs> so we we dated for, like, a couple months. I think it was, like, two and a half months or something. He was, like, super sweet and charming. Very nice. Met my mother. He was, like, pouring Prosecco down her throat. He was like, oh, I'm so happy to be here. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Right? Okay, cool. So I sleep with this guy. Like, we go out to dinner. Uh, he, like, drives me to his apartment on his motorcycle. Also, side note, sucker for that. My dad's a biker. I like dudes <laughs> with motorcycles. Sorry. I mean, it's not a deal breaker if you don't have one, but it is a plus if you do. Anyway, we go to his apartment on his motorcycle. We seal the deal. It's pretty rad. We wake up in the morning. He's very sweet. He's very nice. He takes me to work on his motorcycle. Adorable, right? He immediately stopped speaking to me. I would, like, run into him in places, and he wouldn't make eye contact. Uh, yeah. And it was, like, super... I was like, I, who spends two and a half months for a jump off? Like, that's weird. That's not me. That's fucking weird. That's crazy town. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my mom was like, how are things going with him? I was like, things ended as soon as we slept together. My mother was like, I, that's, I don't know. You pick bad people. And that seemed to be a theme of her past four years of dating. Like the next guy she dated. He was a cokehead firefighter who runs triathlons. And one day she was home. She either works really early in the morning or really late at night. So sometimes she takes a nap in the middle of the day. And he called me to see how I was doing. I was like, I'm about to take a nap until I go back to work at five. Oh, man. And he mumbled, lazy. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> What's his race? He's white. He's like a big Irish guy. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, oh, I was just kidding. Come on. And I was like, okay, well, I ooh. I was like, I'm going to let that go and take a nap. But for the record, you can never make that joke again. And he's like, Robin, we make racial jokes to each other all the time. And I was like, yes, we do. You can never call me a again. And he hung up on me and gave me the silent treatment for two days. And then when he called me back, he was like, I just, I don't think it's going to work out because you're way too sensitive about things. And you know, I wasn't trying to hurt you. And I was like, that's chill, bro. I'm good. <laughs> I was like, we haven't even spoken in two days. I assume the shit was over. Goodbye. And if you guys think that that can't get worse, it does. And the person after that was actually, I don't even know if I should say this on the end. I'm going to say it. Whatever. Uh, the person after that actually uh, sexually assaulted me. So it was just like, 
It was like I waited a year and then it was like the worst shit ever. Um, so I've just picked all the worst people. And like we know about sexual assault, it's more often someone you know than someone you don't know. He like declared himself my boyfriend in I think like November and like assaulted me in January. So at this point in the interview, my whole what's new with your love life thing felt silly. You know, I wanted a love story. I wanted someone with single lady frustrations that felt like mine. And when I was scanning that Google Doc, I didn't stop to think about how many of the women in there in the past four years of actively dating could have been sexually assaulted by a partner. Chances are she's not the only one. You know, it took a lot of time for me to recover from that, like emotionally and mentally, even physically. Like it just took a long time. And people stuck by me. Like, my friends stuck by me. My friends were amazing. And during that time, I didn't have to think about anything. I didn't have to think about, like, who I was presenting myself as or, like, how strong I was or not. Like, it was just, like, this is about getting better so I can, like, function as a human being. And I think, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I remember my first (laughs) sexual encounter after that. And it was, like... It was someone I knew, and it was like, it was nice to feel safe again. And once you can feel safe again after being completely violated, it's almost like rebirth. It's like, okay, like, I can believe in this again. Like, I can believe that partnership is possible and, like, trusting people is possible and not everybody's a fucking predator. Because to be honest with you, usually when dudes find out like you've been assaulted whether it's sexual physical verbal whatever they run in the other direction they're like i'm not prepared to handle this and to have somebody be like this doesn't change how i think of you it was a a thing that i needed so that i could continue in my life as like a functioning human being so i mean i would i change the attack absolutely i would change it without thinking twice but I didn't come out of it a completely broken person. And to be honest, before it, I might have said, I don't know, guys, I'm broken. (laughs) So, you know, it is what it is. So you learned something from that process of healing. Yeah, I did. I mean, it was a lot of therapy and just like a lot of a lot of calling my friends and saying I needed to sleep on their couches for weeks at a time because I didn't want to be in my house alone. Like it was a lot of craziness, but I was lucky enough to have people not let me fall into the abyss. So you are a black bisexual artist who went to a liberal arts college, who loves metal, who's tattooed, straight edge, plays drums, who's muscular, and you're a woman. Yes. What is the hardest part of your dating life? Oh, good question. Um, I think, well, I mean, I, I to be honest, I date men probably 95% of the time. So... I'm just going to go on what happens when I date men, because dating women has never been a problem for me, ever. It's never been an issue. I think the hardest part of my dating life is that, and I could be wrong, but in my experience, men seem to want a docile, insecure female. It doesn't have to be, you know, crazy insecurity, but they don't want someone who is completely self-sufficient and doesn't necessarily need them around. In my experience, 
they want women who are more willing to let them be the big dog or the big spoon. And like I that's not me. I don't I don't operate that way that way. Isn't that sometimes an association with being a woman of color, with being a black woman? And like how tied up are those things? They're very tied up. There is this myth of the strong black woman, this feeling that, well, we've made it through so much so you can persevere and you can be resilient. And that's true. But that shouldn't be required. If somebody's looking for, you know, the strong black woman, I am not the one. I, I cry. Um, I go to therapy. Uh, I am fragile at times. Yeah. But if somebody's looking for, you know, just some like docile chick who like doesn't, you know, can't do anything on her own, like that's not me either. Rob in Europe. Back when we were dreaming about this podcast about dating, back when we were piloting Like Like, what we learned and the reason why this whole thing never came to be was that we found that what we say on dates is so much less interesting than what we say when we're asked about our dating lives. It's crazy to think what we set in motion with that project. You know, the the friendships, this podcast. I feel like it's going to be time to check in with Robin again in four more years. You know, I mean, in four years, it'd be cool to say, well, you know, I had like a, a pretty serious relationship. It was cool. If I'm still in it, great. If I'm not, you know, it is what it is. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. You know, at this point, I am like really excited about smaller things than whether a relationship is long term or not. I've been like, you know, going on dates with dudes who want to like hang out in my drum studio or like go to a gallery with me. Um, you know, like if you want to go to the Met and spend five hours there with me, which has happened recently. Yeah, like that's dope. Like that's great. That was a fucking awesome date. I was like, I don't know why you did this. And he was just like, I don't know. Let's go to dinner now. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is like an eight hour date. Um, you know, so that's, I get excited about that stuff. So let's just hope for more of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping and for more of that. And maybe falling in love. Yeah. But... Like, that would be awesome. Yeah. You know, we'll see. I mean, I'm not closed off to that. Our show is produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Lindsay Cradwell. Our editor is Hilary Frank. Special thanks to Mia Lobel, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And did you guys know that we have personal ads for this podcast? We're doing the old-fashioned, use-your-words kind, and it's totally free for our listeners. You can submit your own, read over the ones we've gotten so far. It's all up on our website, yyradio.com slash personals. And one thing, we are booking two upcoming shows, so just send Lindsay a note if this is you. We're looking for people who are single and work the night shift. We're also looking for people who are dating with a chronic illness. Either of these describe you. These things are deeply affecting your dating life. We want to hear from you. So send Lindsay a note, yy at panoply.fm. That's the email. Next time on YY. I teased this last week. It's still one week away from showing up on this show. I swear that this guy is not a past guest. He is a totally new one. I feel like I should ask you out now because I've been making this into a big thing. Really? Um, well... You can say no, you really can, just because I, I will still give you a very flattering edit. Um, you know what? 
Okay, guys, as promised, I'm back with my buddy in ad making, Sam Dingman. Hello again, Andrea. Now, at the start of this episode, I was telling you guys about Like Like. I said I piloted this show. I know you guys are dying to hear it, but there's a reason you're never going to hear it, which is that it was no good. Sometimes pilots of shows aren't meant to ever become grown-up shows. Now, here is a pilot show that I would like to see become a fully fleshed out grown-up real show. And it is a show called Family Ghosts, hosted by Sam Dingman. Family Ghosts is a storytelling show. And the idea behind it is, you know how you have one person in your family who is your go-to best story about your family? Yes, Uncle Luigi. Exactly. Oftentimes, Uncle Luigi is somebody who maybe you only knew a little bit at the end of their life, or maybe you never met them at all. Mostly, you just know the stories about Uncle Luigi. But as you get older, you start to realize, I'm the person I am because of Uncle Luigi, in a way. I really don't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> but what if but you could? there could be a notorious family member that really does shake a family. Exactly. And so the idea behind Family Ghosts is that you decide, I'm sick of just knowing the dinner table story version of Uncle Luigi. I want to know the real story. And so you sit down with everyone in your family who remembers Uncle Luigi, who actually knew him, and you see if there's a way that you can bring him to life. And then... Once you've conjured this ghost, you get to, to whatever extent possible, let them tell the story in their own voice and see if that changes your understanding of who your family is and even more than that, who you are now that you know the truth. And, and just to add a little more of a YOY angle here before we hit play, you were new in a relationship while you were combing through your family history. What was that like? Ah, well, <laughs> so th there's a story to that relationship that I actually don't think I've told you, Andrea, which is that it's actually an old relationship that has been rekindled. It sounds to me like if your podcast had a dedications page, <laughs> she'd be a top contender. There is a line in the credits that uh, people have made fun of me for. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> it must have been nice to have someone who knows you to help you be you when you're working on something like this. Yes. And it was one of those situations where sometimes we would be sitting and talking about it and I would get this surge of self-consciousness. Like, I'm sorry that I'm making you listen to my emotional uh, vocal vomit about my project that I'm obsessed with again. And every single time I would find myself in that moment, she would say, it's okay. Like, I'm in this with you. I want to be in this with you. And... I feel like that's a rare thing in a relationship, and I, I feel very fortunate to, to have it in mind. <laughs> going to murder you guys. That's so cute. <laughs> Your next family ghost will be about the crazy podcaster. <laughs> um, no, but when I was getting ready to launch YOY, I shared the debut episode with my boyfriend at the time. And he said, you know, it's just not for me. I'm not, a, oh. not into like a dating story. Mm. I'm sorry, that's, that sounds awful. <laughs> so we broke up over the kid thing, but we also probably broke up over over me knowing that I was about to start one of the most challenging creative periods of my life and needing support through yeah. it. Well, and I mean, one of the things that I think is so wonderful about your show is how much of you is in it. It really feels like an extension of your mind. There's There's no sense of 
hostly detachment. So for somebody to say something like that to you in a moment like that, I mean, I guess it's kind of an obvious point, but they're not saying, I don't like the show. In a way, they're saying, I don't like you and I don't like what's important to you. And I'm sorry, that sounds awful. Yeah, we should go come up with something mean to do, like uh, report him as spam on Tinder over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> not that I've been doing that. Just to just to pull an idea out of the clear blue sky. Just made that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Sam. We're going to play the first five minutes of Family Ghosts. But if you don't want to just get a teaser, if you're ready to go for the whole thing, just go to panoply.fm slash panoplypilots or search for Family Ghosts in iTunes and just start listening right then. Thank you all very much for sticking around for a few more minutes to check out the show. I really hope you like it. I'm happy. You are happy and present in the work. No, I mean in life. In life. I am happy. Oh, I know. That's my mom and me. Mom's an artist, mostly a photographer, but also a sculptor. And growing up, her work was my world. We called our house the homemade house because mom actually built most of our furniture. We sat on this couch she made out of reclaimed wood from shipping crates. We read by light from lamps she made out of flattened soda cans. And we rested our coffee mugs on tables with legs made out of my old Little League bats. Mom also made the coffee mugs. But Mom also made other things. Things that were less functional and, for me at least, more troubling. She has this one sculpture series where she's driven eight-inch nails through wooden structures that look a lot like stereotypical suburban houses. She makes these heavy clay bowls with huge chunks purposely blasted off during the firing process. They're covered in scars and ash stains from the explosions in the kiln. Our walls are lined with photographs of objects engulfed in murky black shadows. Mom insists that this work isn't supposed to be about darkness. My work, I think, is present in a moment. Like that picture in the other room of the birdbath, where the entire universe is reflected in the water. It's like that picture to me is about the entire world. That's so funny to me. To me, it is a birdbath in the shape of a nuclear explosion. And I have always looked at that picture as a serene domestic image made to look like a nuclear meltdown. Well, see, it's probably, you know, I don't spend any time analyzing myself, and I don't spend any time analyzing the, I guess you'd call it the severity of my childhood. And that's the reason I finally got up the nerve to ask Mom about her work. Because I've always suspected that the homemade house is haunted by a ghost named Sabina. Her name is Sabina Ben Saeed. She was blind in one eye. She took pills in the morning to wake up and pills at night to go to sleep. She would always wear sunglasses, which of course made her more exotic looking. Good looking woman, a European accent of some kind. Everybody said, you know, she's bad. Stay away from her, she's bad. She was hot and she was blonde and she was French. And I was listening to the radio and it was staticky, but I know that what I heard was, you know, a fugitive from justice. It was an embarrassment to me. 
but I don't know if it's true. Sabina was, I guess, technically my step-grandmother. And the reason I suspect she's lurking in the shadows of Mom's work has to do with Mom's dad, my grandfather, Grandpa Gilly. He and Sabina were married very briefly in the early 1960s. And to hear Mom tell it, Sabina basically ruined his life. Why did she do this to Gilly? Right. Why did she pick him? Yeah. She could have picked anybody. Why did she pick him? So who was Sabina? And what did she do to us? From Panoply, you're listening to Family Ghosts. I'm Sam Dingman, and this is Episode 1, The Family Jewels. <laughs> 